And this morning we're going to talk about fighting fair. I once heard someone say that we should all expect to face conflict in our lives because anytime you have at least two people together anywhere, eventually they're going to disagree with each other about something. Eventually they're going to conflict with each other in some way. Disagree. Sometimes it'll be small. Like if you have a friends group and you're trying to decide where to go to dinner as a, as a group, you might disagree with each other about where to go for dinner. That's kind of a small disagreement. You could probably work that one out. But we also have, you know, among our friends groups, sometimes we find that one of the people is getting caught in an addiction. And that creates a whole new set of challenges and disagreements and conflicts about how to respond and how to navigate that. Or maybe one of your friends is beginning to consider a divorce and you disagree with them about how to proceed or your friends group struggles with how to respond to that. So sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. But if this is true, that anytime you have two people together, eventually you're going to disagree, that means that conflict and disagreement is normal in human relationships. I don't know how often we stop and think about that, but it's normal to disagree with people eventually. It also means that how you handle disagreements and conflicts is going to be a defining feature of your life, no matter who you are, no matter how well-educated you are, no matter what kind of work you do, where you live, how you handle disagreements and conflicts with the people around you it's going to be a f- defining feature of your life. So today as we come to this third sermon in the Stepping Up series where we're inviting ourselves to step up in our relationships, step up in Christ-likeness in our relationships, let me remind you of the question we've been asking each Sunday as we do this. And that is, how does being followers of Jesus shape the way we approach personal relationships? How does the fact that we're following Jesus impact the way we relate to each other. And we've been looking at the verse from John 13 where Jesus says to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you, so you should love one, you must love one another. In other words, I want you to love each other in the way that I've loved you. And then he says, if you'll do that, everyone around you will know you're my followers, you're my disciples, because they'll be able to see my love flowing through us, through, through you. So we've said that the foundation for our relationships with each other is the love of Christ. We're continuing to grow in our capacity to love each other the way Jesus has loved us. And I've suggested that means at least two things. It means more than this, but at least it means these two things. One is that we really desire, we want to see uh, our brothers and sisters of Christ thriving and flourishing in life, in health, and in peace. We want to see each other thriving And secondly, it means that we're willing to help bring that about. We're willing to be inconvenienced. We're willing to be stretched. Even if it costs me something, I want to see you growing and thriving in life and peace and health. So this morning, we want to look at how that background, uh, what that has to do with conflict and disagreements, how we handle them. Well, if conflict and disagreement is normal in human relationships, and if we think about those two aspects of the love of Christ, it means that I'm going to continue... By the grace of God, I'm going to continue to want you to be thriving and flourishing even when I'm mad at you. Even when I'm frustrated with you, even when I'm disappointed in you, I'm still going to want you to be thriving and flourishing. And secondly, it means that even in that situation, I'm going to be willing to be inconvenienced. I'm going to be willing to make a sacrifice so that you can be thriving and flourishing in life and health and peace. Sometimes the sacrifice is forgiveness. 
Sometimes the stretching is holding my tongue and not saying everything that I'm thinking or that I want to say. Sometimes the, 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 uh, the, the sacrifice is giving up my desire to win, to be better than you, to out, come out on top. And other times the sacrifice is just being patient, just being patient. Now, I know we've all been tested on this. I know we've all been tested on this. We've been hurt or we've dis- been disappointed in some way by a brother or a sister in Christ, somebody who follows Jesus as we do. I know for me one time it was a person who was saying very positive, encouraging things to me in person when I was talking to them. And then sometime later I found out that they were saying much more negative things to other people, kind of behind my back. And I was unaware of it initially, but then I became aware of it. And I thought, what in the world? How, what, what are you talking, how can this be happening? Another example that came to mind for me, one time Nita, uh, in a season when we were members of another congregation in another state, another denomination actually, this was not a peace church, um, and one Sunday morning close to Memorial Day, I was astonished by a disagreement because uh, we were asked to stand and sing a final song, which turned out to be the Battle Hymn of the Republic which is a patriotic American song. We were asked to sing that in a worship service and then just to emphasize the point, they put up on the screen behind the, uh, up on the screen like this, a, a slide of the Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor. It's a sort of worshiping this, uh, this war memorial, which was just astonishing to me. And I thought, I think we have a disagreement here. I need to figure out how to handle this. Here in our congregation, we've had disagreements and we, we still do about COVID restrictions, about what they should be and how long they should last. And some of you are just kind of in pain just to hear me mention it again. A few years ago, we had, we had some disagreements about an affiliation decision. Our congregation needed to decide whether to be part of one network of congregations or another network. And we had different perspectives, different ideas about how to proceed and about what that decision should be. And I'm sure you can think of other, many other examples in your own life and also in your experience in, in a congregation, this one or another one. So I'm going to suggest to you that as Christians, we need to be prepared to fight with each other, but in the love of Christ. And I worded it that way to just upset you a little bit, because some of you are thinking that fighting is not ever something that Christians would do, and the love of Christ you have maybe in a different category or a different bucket. And I want to suggest this morning that we put those in the same bucket. Let's talk about fighting in the love of Christ. And I want to suggest to you two two things this morning are two keys for doing that well. The first one is having the right mindset. The first is having the right mindset. And I'm going to suggest to you that the right mindset is a Jesus-shaped mindset. Having the mind of Christ or letting letting the Lord shape us so that we have a Jesus-shaped mindset as one primary key to fighting in the love of Christ. And the second one is fighting fair. How we do. So the first one is what we think, what we think about our brothers and sisters, what we think about conflict. And the second is what we do or how we do it. So let's look first at having a Jesus-shaped mindset, and then we'll look at how, how we do it or fighting fair. I want to say three things about a Jesus-shaped mindset. And the first one, if you don't listen carefully, you're going to think, what did he just say? So we're going to put it up so you can read it. This is countercultural. This is not the message you're getting from the culture around you. And that is our love for each other in the family of God is more important than our disagreements. Our love for each other, our relationships with each other in the family of God are more important than our disagreements. Now that phrase is something that for some of you, you may want to just write that down, take it home and meditate just on that this week and say, do I really believe that? I'm going to show you from scripture why I'm saying that in just a second. 
But th- this is a complete upside down perspective in our time today. We're all about our disagreements. We're all about winning over other people, even other Christians in our time. We're raised as Americans, many of us, to think, to emphasize looking out for myself, looking out for number one, winning at all costs. We tend to think in our time, especially people who disagree with me are my enemies. They're my enemies. Even if they're Christians, they're my enemies. Let me show you why I say that. In the, the letter that we know as 1 Corinthians, Paul is reporting, uh, responding to reports that the Christians and Corinthians are quarreling with each other. They're jealous of each other. They're getting into each other's business. And some of them have even taken each other to court. Their disagreements are such that they're taking each other to courts outside the church. And let me tell you, Paul is not impressed. <laughs> he is not impressed. He's upset with them. And he challenges them in 1 Corinthians 6, basically saying, what's the matter with you? What are you doing? And to the congregation, he's saying, how can you let this be happening among the people of God? His tone is one of astonishment and horror in 1 Corinthians 6. And here's what he says, verse 1. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and seek and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Verse 7, he says, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Just the fact that you're filing these lawsuits is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? And here's the phrase that just haunts me. Why not let yourself be cheated? Why not let yourself be cheated? That's why I say to you, our love for each other, the reputation of the people of God is more important than my rights, than than our disagreements. I actually preached a whole sermon on that phrase, if that's something you want to explore further. Back in September 2018, we were doing a study of 1 Corinthians, and so we camped out on that phrase, why not let yourself be cheated? It's actually still on our website. We'll reload it on our podcast stream this week if you want to listen to it, but it's from September 2018, why not let yourself be cheated? But basically, Paul is saying, taking your brothers and sisters in Christ to court means that you're focusing on the wrong things. It means you're living by the values of the world. You're thinking of yourself first. It means you're giving in to greed and to selfishness and to retaliation rather than being guided by unselfishness, by forgiveness, and by a willingness to suffer loss for the sake of Christ. You know, we talk about being willing to suffer loss for the sake of Christ. We sometimes think of maybe reputation or opportunity. Do you ever think of the loss you would experience being one of forgiveness or letting yourself be cheated by a brother or sister in Christ and finding a way to forgive them and move on? So the first thing about having a Jesus-shaped mindset is this awareness that our love for each other, our relationships with each other as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ is more important than our disagreements. The second and third things come out of the text that Olivia read for us just a moment ago from Ephesians 4, where Paul says, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. We have that there. Yeah, we do. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. 
You know, so the second thing I want to mention as a part of Jesus-shaped mindset is humility and gentleness. Humility is simply having a true picture of yourself. Having, being clear about who you are. An accurate understanding about who you are in Christ. As a child of God, I know, according to the story the Bible tells, that I'm very important in some ways, and in other ways, not important at all. The New Testament talks about me as, the chi- as a son of God, as a child of God, but it also talks about me as a servant of God. So we're both children and servants of God. I know that I'm chosen, I know I'm holy, I know I'm dearly loved by God, I know I'm a child of God, but I also know that it's not all about me. And that all of those things are true because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done. And yes, I am important, but I'm important because of who Jesus is. So in Christ, I am both very important and willing to be overlooked. I am both very important in Christ, and I'm also willing to be overlooked. So you and I, we approach each other as brothers and sisters in the family of God with humility in that, in that mindset that we're both very important and willing to be overlooked. Our goal is to strengthen our relationship, not to win over each other. And I think gentleness simply means that as we're working through our conflicts, we're only applying as much pressure as is needed because we're mindful of each other. I'm aware of you. I, I'm, I'm aware of how this is impacting you. And I'm only applying as much pressure in our conversation as needed to resolve our disagreements. So, our love for each other is more important than our disagreements. We approach each other with humility and with uh, gentleness. And third, we are patient and we make allowance for each other. Patient and making allowances for each other. But did you notice what that verse said? It didn't say that we're making allowances for each other's quirks, that we're making allowances for each other's style differences, although, yeah, let's make the allowance for those. It says we're making allowances for each other's faults. Making allowance for each other's faults, each other's failings, each other's shortcomings. We're trained, I think, by the world we live in to be impatient with each other. We're trained to, be, to, to hate waiting, to fear boredom, and to fill silence. To hate waiting, to fear boredom, to fill silence. Because you know what? Those three things make for terrible television. They make for boring television and probably make for pretty boring Instagram feeds. Waiting, boredom, silence. But you know, as followers of Jesus, we're called to endure those things too. Grow in patience with each other. Not insisting on quick fixes, realizing that we, we generally grow out of our bad habits. We generally grow out of our faults. We're not usually just throwing them off like an old coat. We usually grow out of them, so it requires patience with each other. You might think of it as, as a backpack. Like care, I, I think of this sometimes, patience and making allowances is kind of wearing a backpack. And I forgot to bring mine along, so I got a kid's backpack here this morning. Think of this backpack as me bearing, making allowance for someone else's faults. Maybe one of the bricks you would put in here would be the, the, just the person's differences from me. You're different from me, and so I, I, I bear that. I just carry that, and that's okay. I can, I, can, I can do that. But maybe we put another brick in there for another person's immaturity. 
or someone else's insecurity or their weaknesses or their failings or even their sin, their sin against me. I'm, but in Christ, I'm able to be patient and make allowance. I can carry the weight of that, not grudgingly, not with bitterness, but bearing with them, being patient, not rolling my eyes. Can you believe what's in there because of this person? I'm not gossiping to other people. No, I'm just, I'm just carrying it. And God has given me the grace and the strength. And isn't that the way you hope your brothers and sisters in Christ will love you? Isn't that the way you want us to love you? To care more about their relationship with you? Well, let me put it in the personal. Don't you want me to care more about my relationship with you than I care about our disagreements? Don't you want me, as another, just as another brother in Christ, to be humble and gentle when you and I disagree with each other, when we're in conflict with each other? And don't you want me to be patient and make allowance for who you are? I think so. That's how we want to be loved. Let's love each other that way. That's the way God has loved us. And Jesus says in John 13, I give you a new command. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. These are the ways I've loved you, and now I call you to love each other in this way. So fighting in the love of Christ is first of all about having a Jesus-shaped mindset. A Jesus-shaped mindset, which is important because how to fight, fighting fair comes much more easily if you have a Jesus-shaped mindset. If you don't have a Jesus-shaped mindset, the steps I'm going to give you for fighting fair are going to feel like hard work. You might be able to man, manage some of them, but they're going to feel, you might be grudging about how you do them, or they might, you have to squeeze some of them out because they don't come easily. So I just want to emphasize that the mindset is key. The mindset is key. And if the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart and your mind, the Holy Spirit will be developing your capacity, your ability to, do, to carry out these steps that I'm going to give you. So let me just go through them quickly. I'm not going to linger on them. I think they're pretty uh, self-evident in many cases, and I've talked about some of them before. But the first one is to face your conflicts and deal with them. To face your disagreements and deal with them. This is part of my list for fighting fair. Step one, face your conflicts and deal with them. Either process them or make a gracious allowance for them and move on. Don't let your conflicts, your disagreements with your brothers and sisters eat away at your own peace or eat away at your relationship. If you're offended by something, if something comes up in a relationship, if you can't put it aside, you probably need to deal with it. You need to talk to the other person about it or make some accommodation so that you can set it aside. Some of us are conflict averse. We like to avoid, we prefer to avoid conflict. This is my challenge to you if that's, your, if that's you. Jesus didn't avoid conflict. He didn't shy away from it. He challenged his own disciples. He challenged the Jewish leaders. He challenged people directly, but with a Jesus-shaped mindset. Out of his love for them, his desire for their flourishing, his willingness to make sacrifices for them, including having difficult conversations with them. Because the goal of the challenge was to serve the other person, to serve his relationship with them, to choose what's best for the person, choosing what's best for the, other, the relationship. The goal was not to prove himself right. Our goal is not to prove ourselves right, but to serve the relationship and to serve the good of the other person. The other thing I've learned about conflict is that if you avoid it, generally it gets worse. 
So even if you're conflict averse, if you don't like it, I'd urge you to deal with it as soon as possible while it's still a baby conflict. Because if you ignore it and try to just, you know, put it, we say sweep it under the rug, guess what? It's going to get, it's going to grow. And so by the time you have to deal with it because it's unavoidable, unavoidable, it's a much bigger deal than what it would have been if you'd have dealt with it back there. Anyway, first one, face your conflicts. Second one, deal directly with the person you're in conflict with as much as possible. We talked about this last week, so I'm not going to say a lot here. Except to say that based on Matthew 18, Jesus' counsel is only involve as many people as is necessary to repair the relationship. Deal directly with the person, not with other people. Deal directly with the person as much as possible so that you can repair the relationship. Number three, assume the best about the other person's motives. Assume the best, hope for the best, believe the best. Don't assume the worst. Don't go into your conversation assuming the worst about this person. Again, we talked about that last week, so I won't say a lot here. Number four, use I statements rather than you statements. Tell the person what you're experiencing. Don't tell them what they're experiencing, okay? Tell them what you're feeling, not what they're feeling, what they should be feeling, so for example, an, an I statement shares personal feelings and it gives reasons for them. So I might say to you, I was surprised and hurt when we argued yesterday. Can we talk about that? I'm telling you what I'm feeling. I was surprised, I was hurt. Or I might say, I'm sorry we're arguing about this. What would you like to see happen? So I'm asking for information, I want understanding. Or I, I, said, the wrong, I said that the wrong way. May I try that again? I, that didn't come out the way I meant for it to. Can I, can I try again? Another thing that I think is important to say is I care more about my relationship with you than I care about this conflict. That can be a very powerful I statement. I care more about my relationship with you than I care about the details of how we work this out. Number five, focus on one disagreement or conflict at a time. Stick to resolving the present issue, and this can be a challenge if you've been in a relationship with somebody for a long time, and you've had an accumulation of things that you're frustrated about, but it's really not fair, and it actually overwhelms the person and the conversation if you try to sort out all those things in one conversation. Bring them up one at a time and work them out. You'll find them much more manageable. And if you're, if you're finding that you're stuck in conversation with somebody that you've been in a relationship with a long time, one possibility is that you're piling on too many issues to any one conversation to get anywhere. Number six, stay on the same side. Stay on the same side. Treat the problem as something that you're both facing together. Imagine that you're standing shoulder to shoulder with the person you're in conflict with, and the problem is that thing over there. So that I'm not looking at you and seeing problem. You and I are together looking at the problem over there. Stay on the same side. It, it might help you, like in a marriage situation, sometimes marriage counsel will make sure you're sitting on the couch side by side. Or that maybe you sit at the, at, uh, on the same side of a table as you work things out. Because your relationship is more important than that conflict over there that's troubling your relationship. Number seven, stay curious. Stay curious. Realize that the other person's approach makes sense to them. Can you believe that? That person that you're in conflict with, their approach makes sense to them. As nonsensical as it seems to you, stay curious about how that can be. About why they're seeing things the way they're seeing them. And ask honest questions, not questions that you're trying to show them how dumb they are for their perspective but genuinely trying to understand and then listen to what they say. I want to give you an example, a recent example from our life together. 
Um, and that is that because this came up recently uh, in a church board meeting that we had here, um, we actually had a good fight at our church board meeting in April. Did I, I got your attention, right? Did you know that we fight at the board? Well, we don't usually. We don't usually. That's why it stood out a little bit. We, but we actually, we had a good fight at a church board meeting in April. There were several people who, there were, who were frustrated about our COVID restrictions, and they spoke up, and they, met, they, they raised them in, in, the converse, in the meeting. And I happened to be the only person who was there from our staff and ministry team, and so I was kind of the focus, uh, I was kind of the person that was being challenged about some of these things, which was fine, because I was the face of the restrictions as that, the only person from that team there. Um, but, you know, as I looked at these seven steps, I think we checked almost every one. I want to read you the email I sent to the board the next afternoon. The truth is, I didn't sleep very well the night after that board meeting because my adrenaline came up and it was, it was quite a meeting because we don't, we don't usually talk that bluntly to each other. We don't usually disagree with each other with that much emotion and that strongly, and it caught me off guard. So, I was, I was a little bit shaken by it, and I was guessing that there were other people who had that same experience and were kind of wondering, what happened last night? What did we do there? Um, so I'm going to read you the email because I think it's a positive example. It's, it's reflecting on what I thought was a positive example of the things I'm talking about this morning. Here's what I wrote the next day. Hello, everyone. This is a thank you. This is from me to the church board. This is a thank you for a very good meeting last night. Gary's reflections got us off to a great start. Gary Ebersole uh, did some personal reflecting on his journey, which was wonderful. We had some great conversation about that. Uh, we did some important work together on policies and details, and we had a very honest and helpful discussion about the impact of COVID decisions and next steps. Even though some of the COVID discussion was tough for me to hear, I really appreciated hearing what everyone is actually thinking and feeling, and that we processed everything in a mature and constructive way. So time out from the reading. What I meant by that was, in that meeting, even though we were, uh, had strong differences, nobody insulted anybody else. Nobody was saying, you are this, you are that. There were lots of I statements. I feel this way. I see it this way. It imp- this impacts me in this way. There was, I don't remember a single statement of you this, you, you that. You, you know, your, your motivations, you're this kind of person. We didn't do any of that in that meeting. There was also a respect for the impossibility of pleasing everyone with the decisions that we would make. People acknowledged it was almost impossible, impossibly difficult to make decisions in that season. And we, stuck on, we stayed on one issue. We just talked about COVID restrictions and our feelings about them and what they should be. We didn't start layering on all the other things that people brought, you know, that people might be thinking about. So that's what I meant when I said we processed everything in a mature and constructive way. That is so helpful. I had more and better information to work with this morning than I did yesterday morning. I've already had a series of conversations with other staff today about how we can respond promptly to some of the concerns we talked about last night. And as a result, well, you may realize this, as a result, we kind of speeded up our timeline as in, in part in, resp- in response to this conversation. Back to the email. Let's continue to develop the habit as board members of being willing to say what we really think and feel when we're discussing important subjects, especially when we disagree with each other. We will make better decisions that way than if we don't speak up when we disagree. I know conflict and challenge make many of us uncomfortable. I don't really enjoy it either. I'm still reading. (laughs) I don't really enjoy it either, but our love and respect for each other will grow and our relationships will deepen if we can trust each other to navigate conflict and challenge well, or uh, together, I'm sorry, to navigate conflict and challenge together. So let's not avoid them in the future. 
Let's lean into our relationships with each other and work it out. And if I were writing that email, that last sentence tomorrow, I might, after hearing myself preach the sermon, I probably would say, let's lean into our love for each other and work it out. I hope you have a great week, Carl. Now, I'm not just being a Pollyanna here. I'm not just papering over real problems. I'm not ignoring real problems. I truly believe what I wrote in that email, that as brothers and sisters, we're in better footing if we're honest with each other, respectfully so, following these steps, if we know what we really think and feel, and especially so at leadership levels. We need to talk to each other. We, need to, we make better decisions if we hear the disagreements that people have doesn't mean that we can always honor every voice or that we can actually do what everybody wants, but knowing what people are thinking and feeling is much more, much more helpful. I want to end this morning, though, by asking you to make this personal, to make this personal in your own situation. And I want to do that by asking you to bring, a, bring to your mind a situation where you are currently in conflict with or in disagreement with somebody else who is a brother or sister in Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, think about somebody that you're close to, somebody who's, that relationship with whom you care about. If you need to close your eyes, that's fine. I'll just give you a minute to think here. Some of you know immediately what, <laughs> what the situation is. But bring to mind a situation where you're in conflict with someone or you're disagreeing with someone who is a brother or sister in Christ that's, that's current for you. And then I want you to look at the slide that's on the screen and I want you to think about which of those seven steps stand out to you as the most helpful next step for you in that situation. Which of those seven steps stand out to you as the most helpful one in that particular situation? Maybe the Holy Spirit's just gonna highlight one of those for you and say, here's here's a next step that you can take to fight fair with that person who came to mind to fight in a fair way. And now the last question in, the, in this set that I hope you knew was coming, <laughs> and that is, will you commit? Will you commit to taking that step that came to mind for you? It's one thing to have this happen in your head as a thought experiment. It's another one to say, yes, I'm willing to approach that person with I statements. I'm willing to stay curious about why that person is approaching things the way they are. I'm willing to deal with the conflict that came to mind. Whatever it is that stood out to you, I just invite you to say yes in the quietness of your own heart. Maybe you say it out loud under your breath or say it to somebody who's next to you. Yes, yes, I will do, I will take that step. And I want to end with good news. I want to end with good news for you. And that is that the Holy Spirit will, by the power of God at work within us, change us step by step. Give us an increasing ability to take on the mind of Christ. To, take on, to have a Jesus-shaped mindset and to fight fair with each other. Paul says in Ephesians 4, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let the Spirit do that work so that we can get better and better at fighting each other fairly in the love of Christ. We can express the love of Christ, live out the love of Christ, even 
when we're in conflict with each other, even when we disagree with each other. Friends, let's get better and better at being a community of God's people who love each other, who trust each other enough to work through our disagreements and our conflicts. Let's step up together in this way because the more we put our love into action, the more we do our love for each other, the more real it will become.